Welcome to Stumbling Through Work, where educators figure shit out. I'm your host, Jared Huff, and I'm here to explore and share the complexities of our work and to let you know you are not alone. Before we start, though, please follow this podcast and share episodes with others. You can find me on my website, www.jarekhuff.com, where you can find links to my social media and where I share information and tips for educators. Now, let's jump into today's episode. Hey team, welcome to another episode of Stumbling Through Work, where educators figure shit out. Do you all think that as leaders, as bosses, supervisors, whatever pseudonym you want to use, do you think that we supervise too much? Hmm, like really think about it. I want everyone to think about the course of their day, who they're talking to, what they're talking to them about, what directions are you giving. We spend a lot of our time managing. We're just managing, supervising, managing, supervising, supervising, managing. That's a lot of our day. But how much of the day do we actually spend mentoring? There's a total difference between supervising and managing someone and mentoring someone. We have been taught over the years to supervise, supervise, supervise. But we do not m- mentor our staff. And it's really sad because a lot of them really want to learn. They want to do better. They want to learn how to sharpen their skills and their dexterities and be better at their craft. But we, we find a way to supervise them. And I'll say it was about two weeks ago I was having this conversation with with my team of directors. And I remember one of them said that it's some it's sometimes it's easier to supervise because it's a lot going on. And I was like, true, I, I, I get that. She's like, you know, I'm coming in, I'm trying to figure out break schedules and having a conversation with parents and where people need to go. And I'm looking at ratios and, you know, move a teacher here to over there. And she's like, sometimes it's just so much happening throughout the day that we really can't mentor. And I was like, wow, that's really true. I mean, that really is what happens throughout the day. We spend a lot of time on the things that we should not be spending time on and not enough time on what needs to happen because if we're mentoring better then we don't have to supervise as much and i thought what she said was really impactful i was like yeah i I think you're right and we're going to have to slowly find a way to kind of shift that paradigm so that we are being able to mentor our staff in a healthy way that's that's productive and that we're always just not telling them what to do, but we're forcing them to use their, you know, creative thinking skills. We're forcing them to make best possible choices and situations without us, which in the long run is what we all want. But we are sometimes short on time. And I, I totally get that. And, you know, as a supervisor, as a supervisor, it doesn't really require that much. Um, this is why we have so many horrible leaders, because we're just telling people what to do. But as a mentor, it comes with skills that we really have to focus on. Because as a mentor, not a supervisor, but as a mentor, it forces you to be better on your game. It it forces you to have to step up because mentors have to be articulate and organized. 
you have to be prepared for those type of conversations. You have to be responsive and reflective in your thinking and your thoughts. You have to you have to be encouraging and, and committed to that person or people that you are mentoring. And you have to be respectful and, 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 and proactive. If you are not those things, then you can't mentor and that's what keeps you as a supervisor. But it's not just on the person that's supervising, it's also on the staff because to be able to mentor someone, someone has to be a mentee. And then that means that that person has to be open-minded. They have to have the willingness to want to be able to learn something new. And they have to have open communication to be able to say, this is working well for me. This is not working well. This is confusing. Can you explain it better to me? I just don't want it to feel like everything is all about the supervisor or that we've been doing it or that all the blame is on you because it's not it's it's kind of a partnership between both but it has to start with someone for the change and that's where us as leaders have to focus on that mentoring sometimes when we think of mentoring we make it more complicated than what it is if i'm mentoring someone i like to identify what i'm actually mentoring them about and i know that sound like uh, like duh but sometimes <coughs> we don't always understand what we're trying to do to help someone out just like if i'm mentoring someone maybe i'm looking at it from a um, curriculum development section like a, a mindset or behavior management time management license re licensing regulations um it could be health and safety practices um you know a staff members organizational skills family communications or being able to learn how to interact with staff or, you know, do you need help with professional development? It could be so many of those things. We first have to be able to narrow that down to say, okay, this is what I'm going to help you with. And once you figure out what you're going to help them with, you actually have to ask them questions like, you know, tell me how you feel comfortable by doing this or tell me how it makes you uncomfortable and what does your dream day look like? What strategies do you use to when you're feeling frustrated? Like there are so many things to, that you can do as a mentor. And it doesn't have to be super complicated to do it. Yes, you should have time to be able to sit down with someone and say, okay, let's review this. But sometimes it can be quick check-ins. Hey, just want to check in real quick how you're doing. It doesn't have to be so complicated. And I think that we make mentoring be this super complicated thing. It can be a quick touch basis. And I can be like, okay, we're going to talk once a week. Which is great. You should have a once a week conversation. It doesn't have to be four hours. You kind of know what you're going to talk about before you talk to that person. And it may be a quick daily check-in like, hey, how's it going today? How's your goals working on? How's your, how, how are the goals that you're working on faring for you today? It can be something that simple and quick to the point. But... We really have to get into mentoring versus supervising because when we just supervise, all we're doing is telling people what to do and then these people would not make any decent decisions for themselves. And I think we've all had those people that would just stand around and wait for you to make a decision and you're just thinking, you know you just could have did this. And they're like, oh, well, I wanted you to make the choice or I didn't know that I could. 
because we haven't mentored them. We've just been supervising them. So if you know someone that needs to hear this part of the podcast, send it to them. Tell them, hey, listen to this about supervising. And we'll be right back. We all want our schools or programs to be the best. And although every school is different, all successful programs have the same fundamentals. Best Practices for High Quality Preschool, After School, and Enrichment Programs by Jarek Huff share standards to foster a high quality program. These tips will help you put your best service forward, focusing on your children, families, and communities. Best Practices for High Quality Preschool, After School, and Enrichment Programs by Jarek Huff is available on Amazon and Amazon Kindle. Welcome back. Continual trainings. We all have to do them. No matter what state you're in, no matter what field you're in, if you're in early childhood education, if you are in elementary education, secondary education, doesn't really quite matter. We all have to do some form of annual or some form of training over a period of time, whether it's reviewing classes, any of this stuff. The reason why I decided to bring this up is because one of my schools, it's their time, it's their licensing renewal time. So we're, you know, reviewing everyone's training hours and all that fun stuff that comes with it. I don't think people, and I'll say, hmm, I don't know if people really understand I don't think from what I've seen, the vast majority of people care about their actual training and development. Most people, and I get it, it's a lot going on. Adulting sucks. Adulting, life is lifing. I totally get it. I find it interesting that a lot of people will take their trainings and take the exact same courses or trainings that they've already taken just to satisfy to say, I've done it this year. I'm not built that way. I like taking new things. I like learning. Um, I'm trying to sharpen my skills to be the best that I can be. And that's just me. I, I get that. But there are some people that try to just get by through the system. Now, where I currently work, we do not do that. And I actually had a teacher recently who tried taking, you know, initial trainings all over again. And my rebuttal was, really, girl? No, what you're not going to do is try to do these trainings that you've already done before, so you need to go find some more. That means I got to do double. You knew before you even tried this, and it is in writing and in the handbook, just for those of you all that will, that's going to ask that question, it is in there, about what type of trainings you need annually. I mean, it had a whole attitude and everything about it, but yeah, personal problem. I think that you should apply the things that you learn through your trainings into your everyday practices. But why don't people do that? And the reason why I feel that they don't is because it requires them to change. And sometimes people just don't want to change. They are comfortable where they're at. They don't want to grow. They don't want to evolve. They want to stay exactly where they're at. And I somewhat can understand that, but this is the part that confuses me, which I do not get. 
in your quest to stay where you're at, in your quest to not change or move, you are consistently having problems that frustrate you every day and you decide to deal with it. It, it, it doesn't make sense. And I'll give you an example. Let's say you are having an issue with behaviors in your classroom. Let's say I have some really challenging behaviors. I have three children in my classroom, three students that are just out of control. Nothing that I know works and they frustrate me every day. So I'm going to take this challenging behaviors training class. I take the class. They tell me different things to do when I say, oh, I never thought about that. I'm going to try that. I know that, you know, that kid would really respond well to that. I think that would be really awesome. The next day I go into my classroom and instead of deciding to implement what I've just learned, I'll look at that kid and just go, yeah. And then they'll get on my nerves because I'm doing the exact same thing that I've been doing for the last year. It, I, I just don't get it. It doesn't make sense. And then complain about the, the child's behavior to everyone. I'm like talk to the parents. Oh, we're having these issues. I'm talking to, you know, my director. Oh, my school director. Oh, I'm having this issue and it's not working. And it's like, you took the training. You said you were going to apply it. You chose not to apply it. And then still sitting in the same place with the same problems, getting frustrated, saying, nobody's helping me. I'm not getting any support. It just, I just do not get it. But there are people that do that. I am not one of those people, but it just confuses me. Just like right now, I just finished a class. Um, for those of you all that know me, I am in school again. I, and um, I just finished a really awesome class about family, community involvement. I think that I learned so much in that class. Now, true, it got on my nerves because she was asking for too much. But I learned so much in that class that I was like, I'm ready to do this. And I've already started implementing it because if I'm noticing a problem, I'm like, how can I fix it? And then I just learned how to fix it. Why not implement that to help me fix it? which in turn makes my life easier. That makes sense to me. Maybe maybe not to other people. I, I don't get, if you, if somebody out there can explain to me in listener land why people function this way, please let me know because I want to know because I enjoy trying to, you know, learn the psyche of other people. Sometimes I could have been a. Sometimes I should have been a psychologist slash anthropologist because people fascinate me, um, and I really want to know. Like, walk me through that. Explain that to me. How people do that and don't utilize their continual training. It just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, we're forced to do it for a reason. So why not do it? I get it if you're just like, oh, I just got to do it to be done. Stuff happens. Of course, that's part of planning your time out accordingly, so that you're not waiting until the last minute to do it. But I digress. But I can understand that. But to take a class that's new, that's specifically for what you need, and then feel frustrated that you're not getting the help that you need when you haven't even tried implementing what you what you learned to stay in the same place, to be like, well, I don't feel like doing anything and learning anything new, but to still have problems, it just, I, I, I just can't get it. So I want to let everyone that, you know, know that's listening, and I'm pretty sure a majority of you all do actually, you know, put your trainings into play, you execute what you've learned 
in those trainings into your day-to-day practices. So thank you for that, for, you know, growing and developing as an educator, as a leader. I totally appreciate that. So thank you. I love sharing information with educators and program administrators. I have had so many successes, but also so many failures in my education tenure. I want leaders to know what not to do, but better than that, what to do. So, I decided to write a helpful guide, Best Practices for Center Program and Activity Directors. It's short and to the point. It's a compass to guide education leaders. These best practices will give you a foundation to lead your school, program, or organization. You can find best practices for center, program, and activity directors by Jared Cuff on Amazon or Amazon Kindle. This week, I really want you to focus on mentoring. I want you to just shave just a little bit off of supervising to be able to start the mentoring process. It doesn't have to be an hour-long thing because our days are busy. It doesn't have to be 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be 20, 15. It could be a 5 to 10 minute quick conversation on several things, you know, that someone's having issues with and narrow it down one at a time. Just really start to just move into that direction to start instilling and creating better educators and utilize your continual training. Like really, really use it, imply it, and implore anyone that is not using their trainings to use it because it just makes no sense to me and it bothers Jarek. So like I said, if if you understand people mind, just let me know, message me. But other than that, I want you all to have a fantastic week and talk to you later. All right, bye. That's it for today. If you like this episode, it would mean so much to me if you left a rating, review, and subscribe to the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can visit my website, which is in the show notes, to contact me. And I hope you have a great rest of your week and speak to you all soon.